Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. And by Nella from Fit Bionics. The Harvard doctor has found a probiotic strain that is found in most world-class athletes. Not all probiotics are the same. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Over the Ball podcast. I'm Kevin Flynn alongside Chris Shamides. Well, Chris, we both live in L.A. and a lot going on in L.A. MLS Cup this weekend. I got to see the Who last night at the Hollywood Bowl. All kinds of stuff going on. What do you think about the matchup this weekend at the MLS Cup? Yeah, this is a showkey matchup. You have a showcase a what? matchup. A what? Oh, showkey. I thought you a said showkey. I, I said showkey, but... I meant to it's say key sh- and showcase, so that's the hybrid of the two. <laughs> Man, you did right out of the gate, dude. You're case. already messing up words. All right, showcase, case matchup, meaning first place in the East, first place in the West. Yeah. Um, you know, Philadelphia has been a top team in the East consistently. So has LAFC in the West, and so to see them in the final here is going to be, uh, you know, probably what the the league office wanted: the two top teams playing in the final. Right, you're talking two big markets, two big programs. You have Jim Curtin, your buddy there, uh, old uh, old coaching pal, and uh, and then the West Coast um, big market as well. So I think MLS is happy. You always hear about that with baseball, how they track the numbers and they want people to uh, to see the games in the bigger markets. But you know, one of the things we were talking about before we got on air was this kind of snafu that has happened with the parking situation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, hearing that LAFC unfortunately has to announce that they don't really have parking on site for the event, which is oh my wild. god, yes, that's <laughs> uh, unbelievable. You know the downside of uh, having the playoff structure the way it is is you don't know who's hosting the final to the last minute. Remember in right. early MLS, we used to pre-plan all that stuff, and and the, the you know you'd I remember when we won MLS Cup in two thousand one way back, it was San Jose versus the Galaxy, but we were playing in Columbus. You know, so those days are right. over. Now the highest seed gets to host, which I think is great. But in this particular case, you know, you have uh, a USC football event that is uh, hitting at five o'clock in that same market and they share the same space. And so without confirmation that LAFC would be in the final, they actually got the parking access before LAFC did. Uh, so LAFC is encouraging everyone to take public transportation <laughs> to the final encouraging them they have no choice and once well, again and once words. again soccer gets screwed uh, from football in another in another way but it's certainly foreseeable in this in this case i don't know though chris i think if i think that's a deal breaker i think that's the type of thing you say like well if you can't get parking for your your uh your fans the fans to the games uh then it, it reverts back to the other team and it should be in philly you agree yeah yeah well i I don't know. They fight so hard over so many months to host it. Um, you, you, you do wonder why this get get comes out on a Wednesday. You know, uh, this was all kind of set on, I think, a Saturday or Sunday, right? So right. multiple days go by the board before it gets announced, which the fans have, now have to make alternate plans. Uh, I don't think it's a case where the game should shift to Philadelphia, in my opinion, but it's something they're going to have to sort out on the front end. I don't know if this caught the league office by surprise or not. Uh, but you and I know the the footprint of where LAFC Bank of California Stadium is, and they do they do share that space. They, all the parking is a collaborative yeah. parking, so they're they're on the outside looking in this time. 
It's going to be a lot of busy Uber drivers uh, this weekend, I think, in, in that in that area. Because yeah. Yeah, how do you get to the game? And, and look, look for me particularly, I'd be like, man, I, I don't know if I want to deal with that. I really don't. No, it's I mean, look, if it's New York, and I've done this, I've been in New York, and you take the subway to go see the Red Bulls fly. It's, it's a doable thing. Yeah. You know? But if you, t- if you tell an L.A. person to take the metro, they're like, we have a metro? Like, they don't even, we don't even know that we have a metro. So, you know, yeah. a lot of people are going to be scrambling for plans. Mass transit in LA doesn't, uh, doesn't quite work. So, um, yeah. so, but you know, I think, you know, this home field advantage is something they fight for. Um, but, and, and you were talking about earlier MLS cup, you know, you're, you're playing in Columbus, two away teams basically. And it really hurts cause it's, it's not really, I've been to a couple of MLS, you know, cups that haven't been many fans there. So this is, this yeah. is a good thing in a way. Um, yeah, and that was the lesson from the early days of MLS is the uh, predetermined site, like a Super Bowl, um, lacks some atmosphere. And it's the same thing in the Super Bowl, right? They complain about that to this day, that it becomes a corporate event and there's very few true home fans there. Oh, yeah. Um, but now, you know, with, with the way MLS is set up, all these playoff games, the atmosphere has been fantastic in the playoffs. Uh, the only downside is you have short notice to sell the event. We're beyond that. We can sell the event in one week. Right. It's going to be a sellout. That part's easy. Just uh, in this particular case, in this particular market, in this particular USC college football game, uh, there's a snafu. Unfortunate, because you, know, you have two great teams. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit, I think. But I've been to a Super Bowl, and it seemed like everybody in the box that I was in um, wasn't a fan of one of the teams that was playing. They were a Super Bowl fan. They just wanted to be at a Super Bowl. And the big difference with MLS Cup is, yeah, man, you have a home field advantage. You have some really fired up fans. Yeah, exactly. And this is a case where, especially with Philadelphia coming into LA, because we don't get to see Philadelphia that often because they're in the East. Right. And so now, you know, we know that they're a high showcase team and, or show key team, as I've been like to say today. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I think, you know, this is the game we've all wanted because it's clearly yeah. been the top two teams. In fact, there was a yo-yo there between who was going to win the supporter shield. Uh, it was LAFC, then it was Philadelphia, and obviously LAFC came out on top with it. And both teams, I thought, were better in the semifinal. I mean, what LAFC did to Austin in that semifinal, they were far and away the better team. Yeah. Uh, and Philadelphia, okay, they gave up, you know, a goal, but came back to win it. And I think they're the stronger team with a fantastic goalkeeper. So should be a great final. All right, great matchup this weekend for MLS Cup. Uh, get there by your bicycle would be the best mm-hmm. way to go. I just came back from the Hollywood Bowl last night where I saw the Who, so I was stuck in traffic for a long time. Don't feel like doing it again. Um, I love the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, it, it's amazing. It was my first time there, actually. Really? And uh, Yeah, yeah. So my girlfriend had bought me tickets for uh, my birthday, and they were great seats, but they, they're in boxes of four. So you're in a little box, with, yeah. You know, with two with another group of two people, yeah. And the order to dinner, wine. I mean, it's such a difference from the concerts I used to go. When I saw the Who when I was young in high school and in college, oh my god, it was like you know, people were puking and fights all over the place. Yeah. The concerts were like mm-hmm. crazy. Now they're just very civil. Maybe because the Who is in their late hundreds uh, up there performing. But uh, Roger Daltrey, man, still has the voice. It, it worked. He could still go there with those uh, guttural rock and roll screams. He's got a great rock and roll voice. And then uh, Pete Townsend put on a great show. And there was an orchestra. So they got to play, you know, one of my favorite albums is Quadrophenia. So they got to play a lot off of that album. 
um, which are tunes that I'd never heard live before. So it was a, it was a great night. So anyway, but that's awesome. I'm, I can't I'm believe you haven't been to the Hollywood Bowl. I thought you were there for like that Liza Minnelli, co- Minnelli concert that you like so much. <laughs> Liza um, Minnelli? What is that? What kind of slur, slur is that? Well, I call back I think from about eight think, shows ago. About, oh, is it really? All right. <laughs> Liza Minnelli. Um, no, I, look, I haven't, uh, you know, haven't gone to many shows because of COVID since I've been out here. So it's, been, yeah. you know, just kind of living in LA for a while. Venue. Yeah. Unbelievable really is. Venue, yeah. I, and I actually, I was like you, I saw the Who, like, senior high school giant stadium i literally was in the last row the highest row of giant <laughs> stadium seeing the who uh we were happy to be there many moons ago but that's a fantastic place the sound is great the atmosphere is great you can have yeah. a good time well i saw them the first time i saw them was when they were on that tour where the people had been stomped to death uh you know the crowd and uh you know i, I give it to my mom she actually let me go still let me go and i'm at the concert and this woman runs on stage and like basically bear hugs Roger Daltrey. And then these two beefy biker looking dudes, you know, come running over and and tear her off. And Daltrey says something to the two guys and they kind of chill out a little bit. And um, and then she's taken off stage. We we're all wondering what what the hell was happening to her. You know, where where'd she go? What happens? You go to go to like the Who prison or something, you know, that was the New Haven Coliseum. So anyway, I'm driving home that night. You know, I think I'm 17 years old, 18. I'm going up my my uh, the road. And it's a kind of a dead end road where I lived. And there's a woman walking in the streets. And I noticed, I recognized it was one of my neighbors. She was in college. And I pulled over. I said, do you, do you need a ride to the house? And she said, yeah. And she got in the car. And I looked at her her outfit. And I'm like, did you rush the stage? <laughs> she goes, yeah, that no was way. me, man. She no goes, that way. was me, man. I'm like, you're kidding me. What oh happened? <laughs> you're nuts. So anyway, we got a hotel room and it was a wonderful night, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, Hey, so I want to move on. Uh, you know, I'm a little concerned, Chris, we, we talked about it last week with the injuries that, you know, players are, you know, in their domestic leagues, um, with the U S men's national team, you know, guys, they're starting to add up, uh, bad news this weekend. Two guys go down Weston McKinney. Um, he's injured over the weekend. He'll miss, um, today's a champions league game against, uh, Juventus and PSG, which is a bummer. Um, and then Cameron Carter Vickers is injured and he's had a really strong year for Celtic. It's, it's amazing. He helped them win the uh, 2022 Scottish Premiership. He was captaining it uh, in the fall. Um, so, you know, I mean, he hadn't been called in, but because of the injuries to Miles Robinson and Chris Richards, uh, many were arguing that he would actually even start in Cutter. So um, this is uh, this is not not good. And I, I tell you. Um, you know, Burhalter paired up Aaron Long and, and Walker Zimmerman, and I, I don't think Long has made it a full recovery back from uh, from his injury. Um, so this is uh, this is troubling. I mean, Chris Richards is like weeks away from resuming team training um, at Crystal Palace, but Tur- Matt Turner's hurt. Uh, Luca Della Torre's hurt. Josh Sargent, uh, they were both sidelined this past weekend. Getting worried, man. Getting worried. Yeah, I mean, I was referring to this. Uh recently as well and, and mentioned it um you know the, the this idea of a summer world cup which is what we're used to in my opinion with ha- the number of competitions that the the players are in and and the, the great teams and the great players have to play so many games in a calendar year mm-hmm. then by the time they get to the summer which is typically their break they're fatigued 
And I think that the shine of the World Cup has been hit by that a little bit. Uh, the first game or two in the group play is good. Uh, and it's really hard for them to maintain the level through the entire summer because that puts them on 12, 13 months of playing almost straight. Uh, this World Cup has the promise of fresher players, you know, because right. they, they haven't even gotten into the, the winter break yet. Uh, the downside of this one is that, you know, any little injury, there's not that much space between your injury and having to play because the, the yeah. camps are, are shorter. So a hamstring is potentially a deal breaker. An ankle is a deal breaker. And the U.S. national team has depth to a point. So they'll be able to pick player A instead of player B, but they can't pick player C most likely. So at a certain point, you know, Coach Berhalter and his staff are going to probably have to take players on that may not be able to play in the first game but maybe they feel like they can get them back for game two and game three. And they may have to take those players where in another country may not take a player like that. It changes your whole strategy though. Doesn't yeah. it? I mean, you suddenly, everything goes out, goes out the window. It's uh, and you know what? I, I actually thought we, we have such a young team that I thought in the cup players are so worn down. Speaking to your point about playing in their you know, domestic leagues that, that, it would actually help the United States to have fresh legs and young legs, you know, quicker recovery. But of yeah. course that's been sort of shot out now because you know, they're, everybody will be somewhat fresh because it's not uh, the end of the season. It's the middle. Right. And I think coaches, you know, we're all used to making decisions in real time and things are organic and, you know, thing, things like this are, you know, we're, we're used to stuff like this. Having said that, when you pre-plan, like you say, for how you're going to tackle opponent number one, two, and three, and how you're going to share those minutes, you have an ideal plan. And then mm -hmm. from there, you have to now improvise based on these injuries that are hitting late who makes a roster, who doesn't make a roster, how does that affect your rotation? These are significant things on short notice that the staffs are going to have to chew through. And it's not just uh, it's not just the U.S. I mean, France has the same thing with Pogba and Conte can't play. Um, so you have a lot of countries dealing with a lot of these kinds of questions going right into the World Cup. Yeah, and I'm worried. We're, we're playing England and they, you know, we drew them. And um, I was with some English people this past weekend and they were all, oh, yeah, four new, four new, easy, U.S. We'll be right past the U.S., four new. I'm like, I grit my teeth and uh, balled my fist underneath the, the desk or the bar, as it were. So, yeah, uh, it's a. Uh... That could happen. Uh, the U.S. Yeah. could also win 2-1. So, you know, it's it's football. Yeah. Um, it's a very good English team. And uh, this is one of their better cycles. And we've been yeah. in a group of four with England and, and actually won the group. So we've tied them and won the group. So we have that history. In fact, England has never beaten us in a World Cup. Um, so whenever you're in that Ooh, situation, nice fact. Nice throw that fact. out there. I like that one. Yeah, All right. throw I, that I out will. there. You know, but at it, the same it, time, it's game two for us. And that means all hands on deck. We're going to get England's first team for sure. Yeah. You got to get through that one. And they've always had the, the a huge choke factor basically because their fans and they basically their, their press is ruthless. And it almost likes they, they, it's almost like they will them to lose. Like they're, you know, we've said this before. They, they classically have not played to win. They have played to not lose. And that really, I hope they come out that same way, but they seem to have a swagger with Kane and, and certain players. That's it's a, it's a, a new England team. Um, not new England, but a, a newish England team. So, uh, but I hope we get by them. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you have this history in the world cup where 
hard for European teams to win in South America. And when the World Cup is in South America, Mm -hmm. or I should say when the World Cup is in Europe, it's hard for South American teams to win there. And now we have this new thing where it's like, okay, well, what happens if we play in the Middle East? And it's like, well, no one knows. In the Middle East, in 107 degrees. Yeah, uh, in November. So With no alcohol. Yeah, there's a whole new animal. and, And we're not sure you know, how this is going to affect teams and all that kind of stuff. I think you have a, you have a couple of favorites. I think Argentina is going to be very interesting. They have a couple they of specials look coming out. Yeah. Uh, there's a Netflix special coming out behind the scenes with, with their Copa America run. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get Messi's last World Cup. We're going to get Ronaldo's last World Cup with Portugal. Portugal's a very good team. Oh, yeah. um, and there's just, it'll be a very good World Cup in the sense of parity, in my opinion. I hope. I mean, I'm used to watching it at a bar in New York City uh, as everybody piles out into the streets and you suddenly are surrounded by people from all over the world. Um, it reminds me of what's so great about New York City. It's funny, not to beat a dead horse, but Cutter, I mean, how they actually got the cup, I don't know. And they've asked everyone to not really bring their their culture with them, but to respect theirs, which uh, limits you know, alcohol, women's freedoms, all kinds of things, man. So it's sort of, you know... When I always think soccer can do the right thing, they didn't. And at least uh, Sepp Blatter's gone from this decision. Um, but like the Who said last night, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> it just it all, all kind of happened. Did you hear again. about the phone app? Like if if, if you, all the tourists, travelers, fans, whatever you want to say, going yeah. into the country have to like use this one mobile app in order to have phone access. And through that phone app, they can track where you are at all given times in that country. Yeah, that's that's kind of like spooky, uh, very spooky, and uh, and yet they awarded him the cup. It's almost I'm giving I'm giving uh, NY uh, uh, LAFC a hard time about not figuring out parking. These people have just like you know just don't bring anything with you ever. Uh, you know, outside ideas or opinions. It's amazing. Hey, so I got to talk about uh, the big Leeds win against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's two teams I root for. You know, because uh, I I've classically loved the way that that Liverpool has played, um, you know, when you got, when they had Mane and, and Salah and, and Firmino, everybody, you know, your forwards, goal scorers, checking back, working hard. It, I loved it, the way they played. Um, but uh, I'm a Leeds fan, um, you know, and that uh, Jesse Marsh's teams have really had some bad luck. I mean, they beat Chelsea, now they beat Liverpool. They can do it. And they went toe-to-toe, I felt like, with Liverpool. Yeah, their style is conducive to that. They're they're catching Liverpool, who's been inconsistent. You know, mm-hmm. Liverpool will beat City and then lose to Nottingham Forest, and they've had a hard time getting a grip on on things. And even their Champions League campaign has been, you know, inconsistent compared to their norm. Um, and on the day, you know, they get a late goal to make it two one. And and Jesse knows where he is. He you know he he ha- I thought handled it really well during the week and said, look, I totally understand you know, where I am. I think the board is supporting me, but at the same time, the fans need to see results. And yeah, it was very good for him to get that because even though they've dropped some results, he can point to the fact that, you know, he's beaten, man, um, he's beaten Chelsea, he's beaten Liverpool all within the last couple of months. That's great for his resume individually, uh, but it's also really good for their campaign because he's getting points that most teams won't get. So now he just needs to even out a little bit. Hopefully the luck goes in his way because then he can gather more points to avoid relegation. Uh, I watched, I keyed in on Tyler Adams. He is incredible. I mean, the guy covers so much ground, cuts off passing angles, anticipates well, uh, covers for, uh, you know, um, the midfield. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch. And Aronson, uh, 
tireless worker, uh, a clean player, um, hustles constantly, cuts down shepherds well. It's uh, it's it was fun to watch. And you know what? The one thing I think there that's hurting for them a little bit is Bamford. He's just off his game, and he missed that sitter. Uh, looks like he should have taken it first time, and he just mistouched it. It's one of those things where you could happen to anybody. Just picked up his head just as the ball was you know getting to his foot and he needed one maybe a second touch to shoot and just completely missed it and i mean the angle was perfect yeah and when you look at the data behind these kinds of things like the expected goals will be really high they've missed a penalty that would be really high so you know i think they probably you know if you were to replay the last 10 games uh 10 times they probably will end up with more points like nine out of those 10 times from a data perspective. And so mm-hmm. credit to the club for staying the course, you know, and so hopefully now that evens out. You know, there is an American owner with Leeds. And do you think that shades uh consideration for keeping someone on longer? Because I mean, you know, with Bob Bradley, how, what a raw deal he got. Um, do you think that will affect? Yeah. Know, I because, mean, look, was... because no, no, because look, I think, I think the English have classically shown that they do not respect really the American player or the American coach. So I think that's changing, but has it changed enough for this ownership to say, let's stick with them at least through the season. There's too much money on the line. So it doesn't matter. Um, Relegation is a big blow to a club. There's too much money on the line to avoid relegation. So they would do whatever they had to do to make the best possible decision. Uh, I don't think there's a a soft side to the story. I think it's uh, yeah, maybe it helps get their foot in the door both for Bob and Jesse, that they were American owners. But the reality of, of the Leeds case was Bielsa played in a certain way, and Jesse's on a short list of coaches who plays in a somewhat similar way. We've discussed this, and he was on their radar for a while. Um, yeah, I think with Bob, perhaps you know him being an American helped him get a starting conversation, but obviously still got to go in there and interview and do well and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, these guys are polished guys, and they're super, super smart and knowledgeable and experienced, and so they're able to get the job but they're going to make hard decisions based on what's best for the club. And as it should be, it's the pros. Yeah. And Jesse, Jesse is, uh, he has a career ahead of him, no doubt. Um, you know, it's funny. I started to hear rumblings of, um, of Klopp leaving and Tuchel's in the wings and, all, you know, I don't know how you do it, Chris, to coach. It's amazing because, you know, they say yeah. it's, uh, it's so frustrating to sit, you know, how to do things, you know, how to execute, but you're sitting on the sidelines, you know, hoping the other players, uh, understand what you're trying to say to them. Um, and at that level, it's it's very different. You're managing personalities, basically. You're managing these injuries and depth. And I think it's still odd to the American sports fan, the casual American sports fan, that Jesse Marsh is aiming in a really great season to be in the middle of the table. It just is yeah. so odd. It's just in so fact, odd. In fact, middle Americans. of the table would be wildly successful. Right. You know, if, if he could, if he could add a 20 teams, if he could finish 10th, 10 years in a row, they'd probably sign that deal. You know, what, so what, why do you think they, I mean, they beat an Arsenal, they beat a Chelsea and are they just, are they just amped up for that game or are they, uh, do they match up well with better teams and do, you know, cause if they, if they play like a lower ranked team, are they just slugging it out with each other and you can't really be as effective with a, you know, shutting down and countering with like a, yeah, it's a good question. I think for every club it's different. I mean, there are, that's what makes the premier league great. It's why the NFL is great. Any team can win on any Sunday. Um, And it's the same thing in the premier league. Not every league is like that. 
you know, you take the bottom teams in, in the Bundesliga, they're probably not going to beat Bayern. Like, you know, it's really probably not going to happen. Right. But you'll have five to 10 results every year in the Premier League where bottom teams beat top teams. So with that being said, it's it's the sustainability of the players, right? Because on a given day, you know, if I have a, if I have a die that has one to 10, I might be able to roll a nine. But you know what? there's going to be a day where I roll a nine, you still roll a 10 because you have more talent. So even though I played well, I lost. And so playing well is a big part of the evaluation of coaches. But at the same time, you have to gather points to avoid relegation. So they're caught in between ownership always is. Right. That's the big, the big thing, relegation for people to understand. And that's why lower ranked teams will beat top ranked teams because they're motivated, their paychecks and staying up. So uh, it it just, I just think for Americans, it's, it's, it's always a bit odd. Yeah, it is. It's uh, tenth place out of twenty. You wouldn't blink at that. Meanwhile, they're very pleased with that, you know. And that's just the nature of how much they spend. You know, you're talking about really not having Relative. salary caps. Yeah. Yeah. So without the salary cap structure and the balance of that, and Jesse has spoken to that this year. You know how it's different culturally, um, but he's very much aware of what he stepped into and what the goal is. And if he can gather these kinds of points, he can rally the, the supporters and obviously the players to keep believing. Uh, seems like what he said is they've, they've stuck together. They put out a great performance. Uh, and luck went a little bit their way. Well, it's worked, obviously. The Premier League, incredibly successful. Uh, and it's what they're used to. Uh, I, there's an article uh, about Jeff Vegas in Soccer America. Basically, you know, he's, he's with MLS in the front office there. And basically talking about the parity. They've set out to make a league that had parity. Uh, so there wouldn't be this top-heavy um, sort of domination from these bigger programs that and everybody else has to just sort of feed on the scraps after that um because a lot of different teams have been in mls cup it's not dominated by arsenal or liverpool manchester united manchester city kind of thing yeah i mean that's a that's a conversation that could that's a whole topic there like is there really parity in mls like okay yeah we all have salary caps but you have the david beckham rule you have the dps where you could pay them whatever Uh, And so when you actually look at expenditures across the the MLS teams, there's a massive range. Now, the bulk of players, to their point, meaning MLS's point, the bulk of players are within similar ranges and Mm -hmm. the gaps in the parity are better than in most leagues. Um, But when LAFC is healthy, they're always at the top. Philly's always at the top. Now, they do it differently. uh, So credit to their organizations. But it'll be interesting to see how sustainable that is because at certain points, like teams like LAFC are going to want to continue to grow and do more and sign more and become bigger competitors in the region and even in the in the global landscape because you have the yeah, club. Try to form a, they'll try to form a super league is what they'll try to do. Hey, so uh, t- talk to that point a little bit. Uh, how, do, how does Philadelphia do things differently than LAFC? I mean, I think it seems to me from the outside, and you know more in this respect, uh, it seems like Philly has developed more players. Yeah, they've done a really good job, you know, at their – base level of academy players and bringing them through and giving them a lot of playing time. Um, and they, they understand the ups and downs of that, but they've created mm-hmm. a game model around their mobility and, and their youth and their ability to, to sustain mistakes. And as, and Jim Curtin will be the first one to tell you, they, they also, you know, really prioritize the goalkeeper position and have the best goalkeeper in the league, arguably. Um, and so he bails them out when things go a little South and over the course of the season, the young players and the blend of how they play and how they rotate 
has really added to consistency in MLS. And, and that is very hard to do with all the travel and the different types of games that you have to play. Right. Well, with soccer and with hockey, man, a keeper tender can just keep you in, get a hot hand during the playoffs. And, um, man, you can just ride on the back of, of, a, of, a, of a guy who's in a hot streak. So uh, what do you have coming up this week? It's like I think it's your last week for the women's program at LMU. This yeah, Saturday. yeah. We've, we're going into last weekends across the NCAA. The women's side goes into tournaments, and NCAA tournament in about a week's time. Uh, the men's side is another, and I'm talking in Division One. the men's side has another uh, week of regular season play and then their mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. So, yeah, wrapping up, getting ready for off-season plans or tournaments, you know, things like that. So everyone's uh, coming down the stretch here. A big game tonight for my buddy Mike Noonan at Clemson, uh, taking on Notre Dame. So uh, I'll be watching that game. And then uh, there's obviously Champions League stuff from yesterday that I have to get caught up on stuff today. Uh, Man, these guys play so much. And did you see, I keep, uh, I screw up certain names. And one of them is is Nunes for uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, I keep calling him... uh, Devin Nunes, which was that senator from California, I think, instead. But did you see Nunes with his shirt off? The dude is ripped beyond belief. They put it in a, uh, I guess they put out a, a tweet. And um, so, and I guess he says to, it was because of Salah. Salah said to him, don't eat any white bread. So uh, I think yeah. you can still say that in a PC way. It's funny when you, anyone. <laughs> when you when you started talking about Nunez, the first person I thought of was Salah. If you see Salah without a shirt on, his body fat has to be lower than 5%. It's crazy. Yeah. But that, I mean, yeah. that's where these guys are now. They're just dialed in to that degree because they have all the science sorted out, individually customized in order to play the, the amount of games that they play. Like this is what I was saying about a summer World Cup. Like if it was last year, the good year that Liverpool had, those guys yeah. played 60 games. So you I know. play 60 games and then play in a World Cup? Like, that's hard. Do you think that that's what's affecting them right now? They do just seem tired. And, you know, the body stores energy. So it just seems like um, they've, they've, they're just tired. They're just tired. And I know I was impressed with the, some of the people they brought in, um, but it just they haven't seemed to have uh, any cohesion. Yeah, there's some change. I think the loss of Mane was was big, um, yeah. bigger than maybe they thought. Um, there's some injuries that they've had. And when you look at Liverpool's last year's and City's last year's, City has had less injuries. Um, yeah. And so there's a bigger strain on some of these players at Liverpool. And maybe they're paying the price. You know, well, unless you're really well, there, you don't know. Um, but we can speculate that. Well, speak to that a little bit because uh, because Liverpool has depth as well, obviously, and all the players they brought in, and you see them pan across the bench, and you got to get guys like Oxley Chamberlain just sitting there, or or you know all these players that that don't even dress some of them. Um, is it the style of Liverpool's play that that exacerbates injuries uh, as opposed to how Man City plays? Yeah, I think Man City has done a little bit better job of rotating players than mm-hmm. Liverpool. Liverpool's de- de- Dependent on their primary players, like Robertson has played an inordinate amount of minutes in these yeah. last few years, uh, and that's a high like their style involves a lot of pressing and running and things like that. They don't hold on to the ball the way City does, so City can you know rest with the ball, and uh, this is something that allows them to be sustainable. Arguably boring at times, but right. they they create their attacking moments, of course, but they also know how to take a breath and have the ball and just punish you for a while. And while they're doing that, they're running less and making you run. So there's a little bit less. It'd be interesting to chart those kinds of things over the last five years. Let's say I'd love to see that data. 
Um, but yeah, Liverpool has done a ton successfully with arguably a smaller group of players and relying on less rotation and, and overloading some of them. And perhaps we're paying the price for that. Plus they've aged out a little bit, plus their injuries. So when Milner yeah. and these guys are playing more, they're just not mobile enough. And in that system, we said this weeks ago, it's like in their system, if you're not mobile enough, you can't press on the ball, then you can't play that style. And now they're starting to concede more goals because right. they're vulnerable. And um, taking nothing away from Milner, he's been a great professional for a long time. But you can see it's it's you know his days are numbered. I think as a player, and and they, and he's putting in a lot of minutes right now. That speaks to the amount of injuries they have. So yeah, all right. So a lot going on in the soccer world. You got Champions League uh, yesterday that you can catch up with on uh, Paramount Plus today. Uh, MLS Cup this weekend. Uh, noon and at Clemson tonight. So. Uh, all should be fun. And uh, good luck with you in your last week. You've Thank certainly you. turned that program around, not as uh, fast uh, as you want, but that's that's the way it works. Rome was not built in a day. and uh, That's what they tell me. That's what they tell you. Who tells you that? The Romans? Where People. are the Romans now? I think They're in Rome. <laughs> there used to be a comic named uh, Chance Langton. He used to say, uh, uh, what was it, Gloria Gaynor. Remember that song she used to sing? She said, uh, I will survive. Whatever happened to her? (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. That's all the time we have on Over the Ball for Chris Chamonix. I'm Kevin Flynn, and we'll talk to you next time on OTB. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247.